the Comics Verse podcast. I'm Nicole Herview, and I'm uh, here chatting today with Ryan Ferrier, uh, an awesome comic writer. How are you doing today, Ryan? I'm great. Thank you for chatting with me. Of course, of course. Um, so I'm I'm just gonna get started at the very beginning. Um, what got you into comics? Where did this journey start for you? Just uh, tell me what attracted you to the medium. Um, I've always read comics since I was a kid. Um, like really really young i remember my mom when i was like oh my gosh i would have been like six or seven my mom gave i was homesick from school and she gave me like one of those like grab bags with like five random comics in it that you get mm-hmm. at like the circle k and one of them had um crisis on infinite earth seven which is the like the famous cover of superman holding dead supergirl and yeah. I know, like, I knew what Superman was from, like, cartoons and stuff, but, and, like, toys. But I never, like, had read a comic before, and, like, that was just such a crazy image. Um, and then fast forward to when I was uh, about 25, um, my tattoo artist it was also a comic artist. He kind of moon, moonlit as a comic artist, and uh, we just decided to do our own comic. I'd never written a comic before. Uh, and so that was nearly 10 years ago. Wow. We just kind of started it and did our own thing. And, uh, I kind of kept with it to the point where it's, that's all I do now. <laughs> <It's kinda laughs> cool. That's kind of yeah. like, that's a whole decade. It's a whole like few decades kind of condensed into, into, uh, one very brief explanation. <laughs> Yeah, no, I feel like for most of us, we've we've been with this for all of our lives, and it's kind of hard to sum it up. But but well done. Thank <laughs> um, you. <laughs> what uh, when you got into this industry? Um, what did you expect? What did you find that you didn't expect? What? How did it? How do you navigate it? Because it's it's very different for for a lot of people with how just how you. You deal with different different companies, and you're a freelancer. Basically, you're kind of running mm-hmm. all over the place, setting your own schedule. Um, what did you expect, and how did it surprise you? Uh, I didn't really know what to expect. It was kind of when I first started. It was really just like trial by fire, um, and I think that it's it surprised me in how easy it was to just make comics, um, but it's also incredibly difficult i think that uh because i started self-publishing which is kind of the only way that you can really like develop a career now um i found that the hardest thing to do at first was to just do it um and then it's funny because that kind of gave me a lot of confidence um and like I did my first conventions after that. And then I, I, I really got hooked on self-publishing. So I just kept doing it. Mm. Um, and so that kind of blew all my expectations out of the water. It was just like, oh, you can just go make comics and just do it. Um, and then from there, it kind of shifted because the more work I was doing, and then I started working, you know, not self-publishing and getting uh, like creator-owned books and licensed work and stuff like that. Um, you kind of get distracted by the concept of breaking in um mm-hmm. which is a total fallacy there's no such thing as breaking in it's like there's no m- one moment where you're like oh i made it today i got my jacket and like that's <laughs> that's that's me in comics now um so it, it kind of ruffles your feathers a little bit once you've developed that confidence because you 
soon learn that like you'll have a really great year and then you'll have a really terrible year even even after you've established a name for yourself however big that may be um so like the thing that i never expected um once i started getting steady work was that the hardest part would be not breaking in but staying in um, mm. and even even for me like i wouldn't put myself at all as like a, a name in comics but um it's there's there's still it's still an uphill battle and i know people who've got five ten years on me and it's still the same thing it's just like that's just the industry is it's hard to um you know it's it's it, it can be hard to get the work um, you can always make the work very easily but how how that manifests and how that gets into people's hands it's very difficult um but it's also really um it's also really like like if you have the motivation to do it it's it's then it it helps you know it challenges yeah. you and pushes you and and uh so it's 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 bittersweet for lack of better words right like it's really difficult but making that's interesting that making the thing is easier than getting the thing in front of people um mm. yeah like i i guess that's that's not something a lot of people think about but i mean any job is a hustle any creativity is going to be difficult in some way um yeah how do you deal with that? How do you get, get through it? I mean, once you've made the thing, how do you like go to people and say, Hey, like care about this thing I made? Like what motivates you to do that? Um, I mean, uh, from the, like in the bare minimum, uh, like it's, it's, I've got to the point in my life where I, I can only do comics. I can't really do anything else. I don't want to do anything else. So that's really cool in that. Um, I don't think a lot of people get to say that, you know, they have their dream job or that they feel secure in knowing that that's what they're supposed to do. Um, how I go about getting it made. I don't know. I still don't know. I'm still like figuring this out. Cause I'll have like, I'll have a good year and like, I'll get a bunch of work. And, and I mean, with license work, it's a little different because uh, most of the time the companies will come to you and be like, Hey, do you want to pitch on this or do you want to do this? And it's like, nine times out of 10, I'm like, yes, please. Thank you. <laughs> and then, but with creator owned, it's like, I, I almost don't anticipate, like I would never come up with the comic, um, based on like who would put it out and, and how I could get this at a certain publisher. Cause I feel like that's kind of putting the cart before the horse. And, and I want to be like, kind of, I want to make honest, honest work. And, and I, I want to, put the story first and kind of do what feels right and natural. Sometimes that bites me in the ass because a lot of my stuff is like, I know a lot of publishers wouldn't put it out. Um, like I'm working on a series right now with Paul Tucker called Gorno and I don't think it's going to be picked up. Like I would be surprised if it got picked up just because it's of the nature of the story. It's like, it's really difficult to like, I, I not, I, I would understand and, and kind of empathize if the publisher was like, well, we don't really want to put this out. We can't really, it's a financial risk or like people wouldn't be into it. It's too hard to sell. So, I mean, you always kind of got to balance being honest to yourself and, and, and believing in a project enough to keep working on it. Mm -hmm. Um, but then you, at some point you also have to be like, well, do I self publish this? Do I go to Kickstarter or do I, kind of just like 
try my hand at whatever publisher's there yeah. if they want to take it. Or, it, you know, sometimes it just goes to the pitch graveyard. Um, but I mean, it it's the same hustle from, or it's a reasonably similar hustle from like your first year to your 10th year, where it's just like, you got to kind of pitch publishers and sell them on it and hope that they bite. Totally. Uh, and you, you've done a lot of license work and a good amount of creator owned stuff. Uh, what, what's the major difference besides the obvious, like a creator owned stories is your baby and you know, a licensed product, you know, you were inspired by something or whatever. What's, but what's the, um, the actual difference besides that, if there is one? Um, I mean, from a completely uh, objective standpoint, like license work can sometimes be faster and, and not as intense just because you kind of have these stuff, these things to play with to begin with, then you kind of have these limitations from the properties to work with. Uh, that's not always the case. Sometimes it's like really friggin' difficult. Like all, all comics writing is difficult. I'm not saying any, any of it's easy, but I just mean like if it's a creator owned book that you're sinking your, your self into that, like that can be a, a really big exhausting thing, especially for me, because a lot of my creator owned work is really wildly personal, whether people know that or not. Um, like Kennel Block Blues, for example, is like so hard to write and it took so much time. Um, and, and I think that depending on the market, depending on the deal, depending on the publisher, like the money can be better with license work up front. Sure. Uh, you could have like a super successful image book and you can make crazy money. Um, or you could have an equally great book at another indie publisher and make no money. Hmm. But then licensed work is just like, oh, here's a guaranteed paycheck. Like, there you go. It's awesome. Um, right. But I think when you go into terms of like, like craft, I think that um, I, tend to, I tend to keep them the same. I, put, I, would put, I would try to put the same amount of heart into a licensed book that I would a creator-owned book. Um, hmm. And I, I'm really proud of that. Um, sometimes you can't go as far as you want. Like if you look at like stuff that I've done, like Dave or Kennel Block again, like that, those are super personal work, and I can't quite attach that level of me into something like GI Joe or you know Planet of the Apes. But there's still, I'm still making honest artwork with it, I think, and and uh, it's still fun, it's still challenging. So like I, I I keep two separate minds while at the same time really treating them with the same weight and importance. And they're both super fun. Um, so yeah, it's it's strange. I, I've I've been away from Creator Own for about a year. Like yeah. as far as putting books out, like I've been working on Creator Own for that long uh, mm -hmm. during the whole time. But but it's an interesting how my stuff's going to shift really quickly um, back to Creator Own. So it's it's kind of we'll see how I can flex those muscles again and see. Uh, I'm interested to compare it to like two years ago when it was all creator own stuff. Right. That's probably super exciting though, to like do something different, you know? Um, it is. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, so I, I did want to ask you about one book, well, a couple, but one book in particular that I absolutely love that you did. Um, and that was Rocco. Um, oh, thanks. That 
I I mean, my childhood like self cried a little bit. I was like, oh my god, there's a <laughs> modern life book. Are you kidding me? Um, yeah. So why why I mean, you did an awesome job. You captured the voice and the personality and the jokes. My God, um, I was like, I'm watching a new episode. This is fun. Um, <laughs> uh, is that like a, a cartoon you watched when you were growing up? Like, was that something like super personal to you or did you just say like, Oh, that sounds like a cool concept. Let me jump on that. Or like, was that like a thing you would wanted to do for a while? Yeah. I think that like, I was a huge fan when I was, when I was growing up. Um, I felt like that and Rain and Stimpy were the two cartoons that were like kind of appealed directly to me. Mm-hmm. Um, Rain and Stimpy because I was a real weird, gross kid. Um, and Rocco's just because it was so like, this is going to sound really bad, but like, cause it was miserable. And like, I, I, I'm kind of a miserable dude a lot of the time. And, and it's really self-deprecating and hyper self-aware and, uh, kind of acting older than its intended audience. I think a lot of the time. And, and I, I didn't pick up on the extent of that until I rewatched it like a year ago, I watched the whole yeah. series again. Um, but then it just felt right. Like it, I think that my sensibilities as a writer, um, like if people saw like read Dave, they'd be like, Oh, it kind of makes sense that Ryan would, would kind of fit in this, in this world. Um, but yeah, no, I was super, I was super pumped when they asked me to, to pitch on it. Uh, and that's actually been like super, super fun. One of my favorite things to work on. I think that it's, um, because I get to balance like being kind of weird and at times growth and, and a dark adult humor. And I think that with, with also some heart, like there's some heart to it and there's some, you know, every kind of issue or story arc's got like a takeaway and there's character growth and stuff like that. Um, yeah. But I get to, I get to do, my own thing. And it's really, there is a lot of my personality in there. I think with me and uh, Ian McGinty, the artist, we also connect really well on that level too. Um, And yeah, it's fun. There's a lot of stuff in my own head that don't translate directly onto the scripts for Rocco's like, but there's a lot of, there's a lot of my fault in the character you know, like the anxieties and, 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 and the, and the um, insecurities and stuff like that in Rocco. And then you get to just this gleeful idiocy of, of Heifer um, and that kind of innocence that, that he has. But then you look at someone like Filbert and my whole, like I've, I spent so much time focusing on Filbert and trying to understand who he was beyond just this kind of hypochondriac character uh and then it hit me that he's a complete and utter nihilist and so that and and that kind of fits into the mold and it helped me kind of build these characters with more of a archetype that's maybe only noticeable to me um i'm rambling about that but but like no it's super fun and like it's it i I like rocco's because of the cast of characters are so all over the place uh, but they feel pretty cohesive at the same time. Totally. I I dug exactly, and it makes so much sense, like, talking to you about it, because what you're saying about these characters is what I dug about them. Like, I'm this, you know, 20-something-year-old, like, emo kid still, so obviously the miserableness of, yeah. of Rocco, I'm like, oh, my God, it's me. <laughs> like, yeah. 
it's, yeah. it's so almost like cathartic to to read it, and I'm sure it was even more so to write it. Um, but you you do do a lot of like the ninety like the nostalgia stuff like between like Planet of the Apes and GI Joe and like all of that. <laughs> like, is that yeah. something you were like, here's my niche, like here we go, or was that just like a happy accident um, that you just it was a it was a total coincidence. Um, and yeah, there was a time like eight months ago where I was like, Oh my God, I'm doing like everything's nineties. This is super weird. Yeah. Uh, and then for a while it, it, it was like crossovers. Like I got, um, Kong on the planet of the apes mm-hmm. and within the same month I got GI Joe versus $6 million man. And I was just like, Oh my God, am I going to be the crossover nineties dude now? Like <laughs> what's happening. Um, and then like Ninja Turtles, Batman, I got yeah. to co-write uh that and like yeah there's a lot there's a lot of 90s stuff and i think maybe that's because like i'm hoping it's just coincidence i'm hoping it's not like editors being like oh let's give like ryan's kind of in that weird like old but not old thing like and so let's just give it to him like i hope that i'm not like stunted <laughs> in, oh, no. in like my but but at the same time, I'm like, no, that's cool. Like, it's super fun. Uh, you know, I'll totally do that. Yeah, that's a pretty... If you're going to play in a sandbox, that's a pretty cool one to play in. Um, yeah. But if there was another, like, 90s or, or you know, from your childhood, like, show or cartoon or whatever that you could adapt, what would it be? Like, your dream adaptation. Um, well, Planet of the Apes is my biggest... Uh, like fandom thing like I've I'm obsessed with Planet of the Apes so and like ever since I started comics I was reading like the the Gabriel Hardman uh, and and Karina Beshko books and like I thought they were some of the best books I've ever written or that they've ever written excuse me and like so that was my dream job that was my dream gig was to like some people are like Batman or Superman or Spider-Man for me it was Planet of the Apes Um, uh, so but like as far as 90s properties I'm like I'm turning and looking at my shelf now. <laughs> something jumps out. I don't know. I think. Um, oh my gosh! I know it's a hard one. Sorry. <laughs> I know it's not '90s, but like I pitched on a Dick Tracy revival series once, like oh, a couple years bad. ago, and that would have been super cool. Um, I think like I I I wasn't like super like obsessed with that property. Mm by any stretch like i just had kind of like a real appreciation for it but i think that that project not not to talk about dead projects but like that would have been really cool had it happened um yeah and it was cool that it kind of almost happened but like yeah (laughs) well maybe one day maybe one day let's all hope and and pray Uh, uh but you you don't just write correct like you've done lettering and stuff yeah when i started writing um i i i was kind of thrown into lettering uh mm. by necessity because uh, at the time my day job was a graphic designer and oh, so cool. my first comic uh it was with a really small publisher and they had a really small budget and they were like oh you're a designer so you know the software so you can letter it and then i was like all right cool you know um and then i quickly learned that no it's not just learning the software like there's a whole craft and science and and skill set that comes with it so i bombed that 
very badly, uh, <laughs> but I kind of, I, I enjoyed it and I, I was challenged by it and I wanted to learn more. And then the more I self-published, the more I was just like, well, I have to letter it because I can't hire someone because I'm broke. Mm. And then I kind of, you know, people, as I was writing and pitching, I was also lettering my own stuff and I was lettering, you know, people would start throwing me lettering work. uh, And, and that's kind of like, I don't want to say breaking in because there is no such thing, but like that's doing lettering is what kind of got me meeting people and like, uh, editors would start giving me lettering work like the first book i lettered was the robocop the boom series uh the one that was based on like frank miller's script yeah Um, and so like i like they were kind of like they would build me up to pitching and then eventually writing and it's something that uh i don't do a lot of nowadays um just because I'm, I'm kind of busy with write, like focusing on writing, but it's still fun. Like I let her my own work when I can. And, um, it's the one time I get to like really like zone out and listen to music while mm-hmm. I work. Most of yeah. the time I can't, if I'm writing a script or something like I, I, I can't just like jam out tunes, you know? So, yeah. and I like it. I, I enjoy the craft and, and, and the process of doing it. So, but yeah, lettering's been good to me. It's been, it's been fun. Like the, the inroads I've made and the, and the, and the, the people I've met through it. I think it's always really good to, to, um, if you're a writer specifically, cause that's really the only position I can speak to, but like, not only is it really good to know for lack of better words, how the sausage is made, but like, it's good to have that knowledge of what everyone in the team does, but also lettering in particular, because it can help your writing. You know, you can, you can, once you kind of know bad lettering, you can, you know, what's good. So, you know, it's just, for me, it's, it's, I always like to letter my own stuff because it's, it makes me more comfortable with the final product. Cool. Uh, it's funny. I'm glad you brought up music because that's uh, music and comics are actually a really weird parallel thing that I've been trying to connect like since I've been a writer um, yeah. in a very weird way. And I once described lettering. Now tell me if I'm wrong. That's kind of the point um, because I want to give a platform to letterers and inkers and colorists and like because I feel like they're not touted enough. Um, but I once described lettering as, uh, bass playing. It's only like, you only really notice it if it's incredible or really bad, but like consistently good lettering that is like a craft and appreciated, like kind of flies under the radar for some reason, because people don't understand the craft. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, I think that's really apt. I, I totally agree with that. I think that, um, I still, I think that it, it, taking a step further, like I think even a lot of people in comics don't really even know like when lettering is bad. I see books yeah. like not the, not to talk smack, but I see books on the shelves that are huge selling books and they have like the worst lettering. Yeah. And, and so I think it's just, it, it's also like people just gloss over bad lettering. Uh, sometimes but yeah it's and I think it's interesting with lettering too because like the one rule that I always kind of hear like letterers talk about is um it's lettering's job to not be noticeable 
Um, and sometimes I disagree with that. Like, I get it. You know, it can't interrupt the artwork and it's supposed to just kind of naturally aid in reading the, the, the comic. But I think it's also, I think that undersells it. There's definitely a balance, uh, but no, it's absolutely underrated um, or underappreciated. Same with coloring a lot um, and inking for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So for, for our listeners who, you know, aren't artists or aren't letters, how would you, I know it's really difficult to like, sum up a craft in words. And I think that's why, you know, I haven't really been able to explain why I care about this so much, but to you as someone who's done it, um, how, how would you describe like good lettering? Like that's like an almost an impossible thing to even for me to even ask you. So I don't know how you're going to answer it. So I'm sorry. <laughs> but um, like, how yeah. would you describe that to, to someone? Um, cause I'm just trying to find a way to explain it to people. As long as we're removing, like, if you, like, if there's, sometimes lettering can be really super stylized um, and kind of complement the artwork. And I think that's the exception to what we're talking about. Like, I'm trying to think of an example off the top of my head. Like, Southern Bastards is a great one. Uh, and that's beautiful lettering. And it's, but it's also very stylized. It's got no stroke. It's got the, the white kind of tail. And I think it has lowercase lettering. Um, or I'm looking at my bookshelf again, trying to remember if there's like super stuff, but any sort of lettering that's not like kind of standard lettering. Um, mm-hmm. That's, we're not talking about that, but um, I think it should be clean. I think it should be non-intrusive. Uh, it can't cover the artwork and it should help guide the eye. So it's not just like throwing balloons and tails where they fit. It's yeah. also kind of like, how do I, if we read left to right, top down, how do we get the eye to follow the page while also um, getting the reader to see the action that's intended to be seen? Um, right. So and it's, it's a kind of like walking a tightrope because sometimes you can't do that. Like if you, do, if you just do that, you might cover up the artwork. So you, there's a lot of like micro problem solving challenges it's like a puzzle um but i mean those are the three things that are that are i think paramount to any lettering yeah totally Uh, i think that's awesome i think that's super helpful and and i I, like i said i just want to get more people talking about it honestly because i i don't think people talk about it enough and i i think that's a damn shame because letters are absolutely artists they're on the art team they should be on the solicits they should be on on everything the whole team should be um yeah yeah, that's just one of my personal like vendetta is definitely the wrong word but that's like my (laughs) thing that i'm like i'm like trying to push over here man Um, yeah yeah cool um and about music because i was like i gotta i must talk about music this is like my thing um so it says on your website that you're into hardcore music um, yes. and you just said you can't listen to it while you write. I have the same problem. Um, but when you're lettering or whatever, what, what specifically are you listening to? Um, I listen to like right now I'm listening to the new Converge record. I'm a huge Converge fan. Cool. Um, I'm big into Dillinger Escape Plan. Uh, I love Every Time I Die. Um, I'm always kind of trying to figure out and refine new bands like that um i don't just listen to like metal and hardcore but that's kind of like the 
the, you know, that's where, where I, one of my loves beyond comics. Um, yeah. What else am I listening to? There's a really great new uh, Car Bomb record. Uh, Knock Loose is a really good band that I'm into right now. Uh, yeah, I'll listen to anything. If it's, if it's that kind of style, I like it. Yeah. Any, any like pop guilty pleasures? Oh my God. Pop guilty pleasures. Yeah. yeah. I love, <laughs> Oh geez. Like I'm not even ashamed. I like, I love Britney and Miley Cyrus and, uh, uh, what else? Hang on. I got Spotify open right here. I'm going to tell you. you I'm actually, I'm on a huge in sync kick right now. And I in like sync? hate it and love it at the same time. <laughs> yeah. I love, uh, Brian Adams is real good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm into it. I'm into it for sure. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm trying to I'm trying to talk to more uh comic creators about it because I found that a lot of them are musicians. Like, you know, like Capullo is a huge guitarist. Like it's just like yeah. weird and kind of cool how many people in the industry are also super into music. So I always like to like to pick uh the brains a little bit. Also hoping I can find more bands because I find myself listening to the same stuff I listened to when I was like 16. And I'm like, oh, I yeah. really need to update my, my playlist. This is bad. Um, Matt Rosenberg is a huge T-Swift fan. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. Oh, I love it. That's he always wears, so fun. Oh yeah, he wears like T-Swift shirts at conventions. It's, it's <laughs> I love it. Yeah. That's amazing. Uh, <laughs> uh so <laughs> that's so cool um i'm trying to think of what what the hell else i wanted to ask you i'm sorry um so basically yeah that's pretty i'm have taken up half an hour of your life like wow um, <laughs> so what what's uh what's coming up for you what's coming down the line um dark horse is putting out a graphic novel that i wrote that uh roger langridge has illustrated uh, and Rogers, quite literally, my favorite artist on the planet. And so, wow. when we when we connected to like talk about doing this project, it was insane to me. It's still insane. Like it's it's crazy. Um, but yeah, so we have an all ages graphic novel. It's called Crimey. Uh, it's out in October. Um, and when I say all ages, like it's not super like for kids, but it's also not super like it's it's really all ages. Like I hope that people of all ages, give it a shot. Uh, and that's very much inspired by like the Fleischer studios, 1930s, uh, animation, which really f fits with Roger's style uh, of artwork. And so it's kind of a fantasy book, but not like, not like Lord of the Rings fantasy. Like it's, it's like a weird cartoon. It's kind of like if Betty Boop met with, uh, like, Tintin and 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 with Terry Gilliam in, in influence and like it's super weird and it's about this family who live in this peaceful island and then it gets sieged by these pirates and so they become refugees um, and they just bounce around from like weird place to weird place to try and find like a new place to call home but everyone is like super messed up and has its own really weird quirky uh, set of circumstances that they have to navigate. Um, yeah, and it's really cool and super fun, and I'm excited about that. Uh, I hope 
that people dig it. That's my first creator-owned OGN. Um, that's awesome. Yeah, and that's about two years we've been working on that one. Uh, oh. I also have uh, a mini series also at Dark Horse, which hasn't been announced yet. So that's probably all I can say about it. Okay. But that's <laughs> the exact opposite of Criminy in that it's not for kids at all. And it's Ooh. super violent. Yeah, super violent, super dark. It's got lots of like post-apocalyptic ninja death uh, occult stuff. Um, awesome. Yeah, and so I'm really psyched for that. I think it's going to be announced in at San Diego, I think. Okay. Uh, I've got two issues of Ninja Turtles coming up again, um, which is super fun because I get to work with the Mondo Gecko character. Uh, and I was big into skateboarding as a kid. I still am, even though I'm old and I can't do it. But. <laughs> so that was fun. And I actually got to like, going, getting back to music, that was actually inspired a lot by punk rock uh, and hardcore music just because awesome. that, that's a, a real uh, theme in that, in that miniseries with, with the Mondo character kind of leaning on those uh, base surface ideologies of punk and hardcore. Uh, for better and worse. Um, so that's really interesting. We actually named that that series um, An Outcome the Reptiles, which is a uh, riff on the Rancid record. Um, yeah. What else do I have coming out? I have some other stuff that I can't quite talk about yet. Okay, we'll save it then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So like it's, I'm keeping busy. I'm back in Creator Own in a pretty big way. Uh, so there's like a lot of pitches. My apartment looks like a madman's apartment. Like, Either someone's committing a murder or is trying to hide, find a murderer because it's just like notes and post-its and strings and shit everywhere. <laughs> it's but, like, it's always sunny in Philadelphia meme. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's Pepe Silvio. Like. Yeah, <laughs> that's so cool. Carol, Carol. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm glad, I'm glad that you're, uh, you're doing the thing, man. That's awesome. Um, excited to see what's what's coming out and and read everything and and uh hopefully uh chat with you again soon um thank you when where can people find you on the socials uh on the social um probably most best you know that's a lie not most the twitter is basically it for okay. me uh, so yeah my handle is ryan writer because uh, some d-bag took my name <laughs> And he doesn't use it. He took my handle and he doesn't use it. That's the, Those people are the, that's the part that stings the most. So one day I'm going to kill him and take his strength. <laughs> All right. We have that on record, my dude. So <laughs> <laughs> that's gonna be on, like, It's going to be the shortest episode of 48 hours that ever. Come I'll out. just be like, guys, I know who did it. I've got I it. Will, I will fold like a napkin <laughs> in that interrogation room. Like. <laughs> Oh my god. Well, let's hope it doesn't come to that. That guy just like keeps <laughs> it up. <laughs> uh, but cool. Thank you so much. Uh, guys, you can find uh, more interviews just like this one as well as news and reviews uh, on comicsverse.com. Thanks so much. Thanks.